Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double. You're now tuned in to episode of the of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. I know I already dropped two episodes earlier this week, so here's a third one. If I sound a little off, that's because I'm fighting an upper respiratory infection, so I got a chest full of mucus, and uh, I took a couple days off uh, just to recover uh, from the main plantations. So I used some of that good old sick time, and uh, I am here. Didn't have shit to do. I just been drinking. You know, just a bunch of 7-Up, you know, uh, some uh, orange juice, a bunch of water, eating soup, and uh, just popping ibuprofen to kill the goddamn uh, fevers and shit like that. And I'm feeling a little better. So I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm here on all these meds, and I'm just sitting at home not doing a goddamn thing, but trying to, you know, let my, uh, you know, my defense systems get strong so I can you know get back to making this money so i was like fuck it let's just go downstairs in the office and knock out another episode so you got three this week so here the fuck i am um let's get started on that good old summer jam screen um did y'all see your man's cory booker on the breakfast club (laughs) so uh uh my boy brandon the author you know views of the church from the liquor store um and i'll post a link to his book in the uh, bio in the show notes i mean uh he he texted me shot me an eye message and said i need to check it out and uh man uh i fast forwarded to the part where charlemagne asked him uh do we have a black agenda and that nigga started laughing and i was like oh this nigga sounds like a fugazi ass promoter like a janky promoter when you start asking about that money He's like <laughs> when they start hitting that that goofy ass laugh that nervous laugh you know a nigga bullshit and that's all i needed to see out that interview i didn't even i didn't even watch the full response i was like oh this nigga about to be bullshit and he about to be on some old rising tides lift all boats so i didn't i fast forwarded to that part and then uh, i saw that he started laughing and he was on that back and I was like, oh, this nigga ain't got shit to say. And I was like, okay, next candidate, please. So uh, this uh, Tangibles 2020 movement is working. And I called it on uh, was that, episode 149 or 148. I said that uh, Cory Booker probably was going to announce that he ran, which is wild. That Yeah, he did on the first day of goddamn Black History Month. He's going to talk about he running for president. <laughs> but, that, I mean, that was funny just seeing that clip. Cause that's just when you know a nigga bullshitting. You know what I'm saying? It's like when, uh, you know, you start asking a nigga about some money that he owe you, and he start laughing and bullshitting, and you about to haul off and knock him dead in his mouth. You know what I'm saying? That's the situation. Or like ladies, when you, uh, you know, when you dating a guy and then he ain't made it official yet, and you try to ask what are we and shit, and the nigga start giggling and shit like, <laughs> you well, you know, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you know, a nigga about to start bullshitting, and that's exactly what Cory Booker did. He did that bullshit laugh, like he about to straight up start bullshitting niggas. But um, 
Anyways, have y'all been watching uh, Killer Mike has a uh, docu-series up on Netflix called um, Trigger Warning. And so what is it about is uh, it's uh, basically about different aspects of American life and how to uh, how it affects or impacts black people, black Americans. So he had one episode where he was just trying to strictly buy black uh, for like three days for like 72 hours. And he could he, he couldn't do it like he couldn't find a black owned hotel. He went to black owned restaurants to eat. But they uh, got their food from like white farms and stuff like that. So he wanted it all black down the chain because he grew up with his grandparents and his grandparents owned a farm and they bought black and everything like that. So um, then he was trying to find uh, he found the black owned bus line to get him to his show and stuff like that. And uh, he couldn't smoke uh, weed because he got his weed from like Cali from uh, like white Cali farmers or whatever and he didn't want to smoke that Mexican weed <laughs> that shit be trashed though <laughs> that, that dirty ass Mexican weed that shit give you a headache and everything you be fucked up in the game you be like oh shit I need to take some goddamn uh, some ibuprofen and some metamucil after I smoke this shit dirty ass weed <laughs> that shit be like it's been grown in somebody's like goddamn like it was grown in the sewer or some shit but anyway that's another story I ain't trying to shit on Mexicans I'm just shitting on y'all weed that shit be trash as fuck but um so he had this episode where um where he was uh basically it was called like white gang privilege and he was talking about how uh hell's angels even though they're an outlaw gang, they still be selling shit on uh, Amazon and you know profiting off of their name. Even though they didn't went to war with the cops, the government, you know, be out here shooting and killing each other left and right. And he was like, "Well, shit, why don't we do that with the Crips?" You know, and uh, so basically, he came up with a cola called a Cripa Cola, and uh, then he made one for Bloods called Blood Pop or whatever. And uh, they went to like a. a a case study group or whatever of a bunch of soda drinkers and they got positive reactions when they didn't show the cola at all like you know a blind taste test and it was like oh yeah this is good blah 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 and so it was a natural soda so it was made with sugar uh, pure cane sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup and it only had like uh six ingredients or something like that six or seven ingredients killer michael sam and uh there was one puerto rican in the group and the rest were white men and most of the white men were talking about like once they unveiled that it was Cola and all this other shit then it was like oh shit and then this uh puerto rican like the white dudes you you knew they was gonna have this reaction that oh you might get killed for drinking this uh you can't support a game and then one dude kept it 100 though because he was like you know the crib started off as you know protection for the community and then it kind of changed once the drugs you know started getting flooded into the community which is absolutely true you know um because it did start off like that to protect the neighborhood from crooked cops and from, uh, you know, white supremacists coming in there, you know, firebombing uh, businesses and shit like that. But then, you know, once that drugs and drugs start coming in and uh, that drug money start flooding in, that's when, it, you know, people start turning on each other and, you know, killing each other and shit like that. And so, um, but the, the Puerto Rican cat, he was a gay Puerto Rican, so he's a double minority. And um, shout out to the brother Dark Black one for pointing this out because I forgot to even point out that he was gay. But um, so Killer Mike comes into the room and uh, he's talking about how the Crips was really a street fraternity and, uh, you know, giving all these examples of how America loves like the outlaw. 
right? Like the movie Wall Street and how oligarchs were basically controlling the lives of American people. And then the, the, the Puerto Rican guy, he would just chime in. He was like, well, it was directed by Oliver Stone and it was well written and blah, blah, blah. And, and then he was talking about then the white dude a white dude in the group brought up Scarface and he was like yeah this is Scarface and he started talking about this that and the third the killer Mike was just giving instances like this is a cocaine dealer who came from rags to riches and blah 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 and then the, the, the Puerto Rican had to chime in again but it was a great acting by Al Pacino people love it because of that now if y'all ever seen goddamn Scarface I know every black person has Al Pacino cannot act like a Cuban for shit. That was a poor ass. <laughs> that accent was trash. I want y'all to go back and actually watch Scarface and look at his acting. Like, don't don't get wrapped up in the cocaine and all the money and all that and him letting the chopper fly from the top of the staircase and all this other shit and killing his homeboy uh, Manolo. That was some dirtball shit. But like really peep his accent and how he's fucking talking and shit like that like it is the it is nothing but a uh an italian and brown face you know what i'm saying that's what the fuck it is like his acting is not exquisite at all like not at all like look at manny compared to him like how manny uh talks and speaks and his mannerisms and shit like that like like he has it down packed but like look at al pacino like compare their acting together like compare uh tony montana and manny like compare that and you just like yo this dude is really trash as fuck acting like a cuban like it was a horrible fucking accent but here this puerto rican guy in a group he's making these excuses again and again right and so then uh, Killer Mike's like probably thinking like y'all got this motherfucker right now. So he pulls out a twenty dollar bill and he talks about how Andrew Jackson is um, you know is on a twenty dollar bill and he how he was scalping Indians because it was easier to scalp them and uh, you know pay people for the bounty as opposed to actually bringing the whole body back. And then the the Puerto Rican jumps in again, chimes in and says, "Well, America has a lot of problems." you know not just that one and i'm just like yo how the fuck are you making all these excuses and it was funny as fuck because killer mike just calls him out and says yeah he says to be the most ethnic person in the room mario you are absolutely fucking racist <laughs> and i lost it i was crying laughing when he said that shit because it was just like you have an excuse for all of these these white outlaws or these white looking outlaws and here you are you the darkest one in the room and you trying to prove that you're the whitest i just really want y'all to watch that episode because it's about entrepreneurship and shit like that but i i really just want y'all to see that just how these people you know come over here and you know be claiming all this that and the third but like a black brown coalition and be the first goddamn coon on the train you know what i'm saying they come over here like all them cubans that uh down in florida that voted for trump and shit like that and this man wants to build a wall and you know he's beefing with brown people to south of the border and then you've seen how he did puerto rico right after that uh that hurricane right you've seen how he did that he wouldn't even acknowledge it and he was up there shooting paper towels like he was shooting free throws in the nba finals right out into the crowd so this just goes to show that coons come in every color right 
and uh, a lot of these uh, and they vet a lot of these immigrants coming over here to be coons. They have to they make sure that. And I remember back in I think it was what the second Hidden Colors or might have been the first one when they were talking about how a lot of Africans how they have to come over here. They vet them first and you know kind of interview them and kind of push them along the lines of don't link up with Black Americans because they're criminals and they'll steer you down the wrong paths. And a lot of the parents believe that too when they send in their children over here. Don't fuck with them niggas, the Makatas, whatever you want to fucking call us, you know, because they're troublemakers, you know, just keep your head down and do what you need to do and, you know, thrive and all this other shit. But as soon as they're, you know, going through some bullshit and stop by a white cop and get the shit beat out of them mace, you know, all of a sudden it's Black Lives Matter, right? So I just found that very interesting. He was the darkest one in the room, but he was trying to prove that he was the whitest. And if y'all watch that episode, look at how he's like looking around trying to get, um, approval from these white men that's also in the study group in the case study group like just look at his face and how he's trying to like look and get like hey agree with me guys hey hey i'm one of you you know what i'm saying it's like he's trying to be accepted and brought into the faction of uh, racism white supremacy being brought in and lifted up but anyways um let's see what else i got on that summer jam screen uh did y'all see um there was a group of there was two people who were uh it was a a boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever a couple who was basically <clears throat> excuse me they were uh the the wife or the girlfriend let me look this up real quick i think the girlfriend uh I mean, she was just a girlfriend but she um she was uh working for a company for the swisher company the tobacco company uh you know swishers rolling up your joints and all this other shit but um Oh, it was a wife. Okay, so I'm sorry. My bad. This was down in Florida, too. It was a Florida couple. They scammed uh, $5 million, 5 M's, from the Swisher Tobacco Company to fund their doomsday prepping. And so, you know, excuse me, it was Richard uh, Camp, who's 35, and his wife, Gretchen Camp, who's uh, 36. They pled not guilty to the charges of grand theft, organized uh, fraud, and money laundering but um the documents they obtained uh like she worked the books for the company or something and so she was creating um false receipts and uh and false bill of sales and things like that and they never did catch that and so they were buying um they were buying uh like a they bought a farm and they had like almost 500 acres on the goddamn farm which is crazy um what else did they buy uh, let's see. It was 460 acre farm in Georgia. Then they built a cabin using the money, and then uh, they bought some farm equipment, and then uh, they bought a condo down in Florida. And uh, the reason that they came across this was the husband was unemployed, and he said, "You don't make enough." So she was making like eighty thousand uh, dollars for this company, eighty thousand dollars a year, and he was unemployed. And so basically, uh, they was depositing these funds. Uh, into the personal their own personal bank account and then so she was faking those invoices and bill of sales and um yeah and the wife actually confessed i'm like the caucasity here like you just up here just create like this company's making money hand over fist and you know the swisher company's only making money off of po folks who like to smoke weed because people just you know buy a two pack of swishers what is it 99 cent dump the guts and then you know use the wrapping <laughs> you know to smoke some weed to smoke a blunt or some shit but they swindled five million dollars like that is fucking crazy 
and they were doomsday preppers. So that's why they bought that farm and all the farm equipment and shit like that. Because they thought, you know, something, something was crazy was about to go down. Probably because the Cheeto in Chief, you know, was there. And he's so, you know, he's in the White House and he's so divisive. And he had so many, so much uprising from the American people. So they was on that shit. And, uh... And they, so their next court appearance is going to be February 21st. So I'm going to keep following this and see what happens because they're banned from leaving the state. So I think they might be out on bail or some shit like that. But, you know, they probably pocketed some of that money. Um, let's see what else. Uh, speaking of court documents and shit like that, you see your man uh, Daniel Hernandez is out here singing like a bird, a.k.a. Takashi 69 uh, screaming all that gang gang shit. And uh, it's, it's, it's now he was facing all these serious ass charges. They about to hit his ass with the Rico and all these years in prison. And now he released a statement. That, well, it's been uncovered in documents that he's, he's he's turning, you know, a witness. He's turning into a state witness or whatever. And then he, uh, Daily News, New York Daily News actually uncovered the documents. And because he's facing a mandatory minimum of 47 years in prison. But uh, he could get less for his cooperation. And he said in his statement in the fall of 2017, I met and joined the Nine Trey Blood Gang as a member of Nine Trey. The enterprise engaged in such activities, including shooting at people, robbing people, and at times drug trafficking. I'm like, oh man, my man's singing like a goddamn bird boy. And he's only 22. That's ironic, right? So you get if he had got hit with them 47 years, he'd be. 6'9 man and then he admitted back in June that he paid a person to shoot uh, at a rival uh, member of 9 Treyway to scare him he said I apologize to the court to anyone who was hurt to my family friends and fans for what I have done and who I have let down now he was you know he used to be on his goddamn uh, IG, his Instagram, just talking crazy. Y'all remember when he went to Chicago and he was in Chief Keith's area? And, uh, you know, he was out there like, I'm out here, blah, 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 late at night. And it wasn't. It was like probably like 5 o'clock in the morning because the birds was chirping and shit like that. But it was still dark out. And, uh, you know, he just was been talking crazy. He was shitting on the culture, the culture of hip-hop. You know, I remember he was on Angie Martinez. Uh, she gave him a platform and he was up there talking about... Um, how he don't be writing down lyrics and how he just takes the shit as a joke and all this other shit and look where he at right now so i don't i don't feel sorry for this this child this kid you know um especially uh him running around saying nigga every day like it makes his teeth whiter or some shit like that and um the nine trade bloods they they i don't know if they inducted him just so they can make their name bigger or some shit like that um but you have to watch others when they come around you know fucking with your culture you know what i'm saying doing shit like that um because most hispanics are all about viva la raza you know long live the race so if they getting down with a gang they getting down with their own you know what i'm saying and then he got hit with some child pornography charges or something for some video he filmed with an under underage teenage girl or some shit like that so i don't know why you would let somebody like that into your uh infrastructure or whatever your street fraternity i like that phrase and um and now he out here singing like a bird you know what i'm saying because you wanted the name to be bigger so you attached got you know you inducted some you know some some fucking troll who can't even rap you know what i'm saying so it's one of those things where you know you should feel sorry like oh he made a poor mistake but the way he was running around on ig and then thinking he was fucking invincible and shit like that he just like eh, fuck out of here you know rotten pieces you know that's how i really feel about that 
situation but i knew he was gonna be singing like a bird soon as they um soon as they fucking um you know put them cuffs on him and they told him how many years he would be facing so i'm not surprised at all let's see what else is going on in that good old summer damn jam screen uh let's talk about uh jesse smollett you know the brother from empire now we know he was attacked uh, a few days ago um this was last week uh so he was attacked or was it a few days ago it was a few days ago uh, i don't think it'd been a week yet uh so he was attacked while he was going to subway uh, out in the shy and he didn't have no security with him or anything like that and uh, they was screaming you know racial epithets at him and you know calling him the f word so i think they was calling him the n word the f word you know and they were talking about this is maga country and uh you know i seen that the brother said on uh his uh good old uh he said on essence on their uh website uh he did like an excuse he said that he's okay you know what i'm saying and he's gonna keep on trucking on and things of that yeah so he said he everything was good i'm sorry i just had to pause my recording and blow my goddamn nose so y'all bear with me i know i sound like shit um so yeah he said on uh on essence that you know i'm okay and um you know he just you know he just wanted to keep on trucking and things like that and uh he said my body is strong but my soul is stronger more importantly i want to say thank you the outpouring of love and support from my village has meant more than i will ever be able to truly put in the words so he's thanking his people because you know everybody from you know from those you know on the the, the black men are trash group was offering supports you know <clears throat> all the way to the people who are for every single black person was offering support and what was wild to me <clears throat> was there was a lot of, uh, you know, LGBTQ, a lot of queer brothers and sisters that somehow turned this on Kevin Hart. Now, there was white men beat the shit out of him and told him it was MAGA country. And somehow we twisted this, not we, but they twisted this into something about Kevin Hart which was fascinating to me that you do these mental gymnastics to avoid racism white supremacy to attack somebody that looks just like you to say this is why you don't make gay jokes blah 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 and all this other shit that he made 10 years ago that he already apologized for right but you didn't have that smoke for the white men that attacked him that's that's what's fascinating to me that you you see how scary negroes are because either they have a white employer or they just they just think it's too hard to tackle racism white supremacy so it's easy to attack somebody that looks just like me to bring them down to uh, bring them down a notch and bring them down to a lower level it's easy to do that with somebody that looks like me because of the self-hate that i already have that's what it breaks down to but i just thought it was fascinating that you've seen these people you know tweeting out these threads and doing these mental gymnastics and all this other shit and as i speak about and hold this l we're going to talk about the situation with uh liam neeson and how at the same time these same people didn't have that smoke for him they had whole different energies for him right um it's just fascinating to me that you know these people would just come out like that and just attack somebody who had nothing to do with it nothing to do with the attack at all i could see like if the maga hats was like beating the shit out of justin was like say it with your chest you know or some shit like that that kevin hart says or some shit like that uh, said something directly that kevin says then i'd be like oh shit 
you know, okay. But this is the same grounds that white folks use when a white person gets caught uh, get uh, caught using the word nigga. Every time a prominent white person or popular white person gets caught saying the word nigga, they always wheel out white people talking about hip hop. Like back in like back in fucking the eighteen hundreds, like fucking George Washington was out here bumping two chains or some shit. You know what I'm saying? The silliest shit ever. It's like, oh, we're blaming the niggas. You know, we have to turn it back on them. And then, you know, so black folks in these white spaces start doing these mental gymnastics because that's what they were taught by their white superiors to do. And so they start doing the same thing. They just reiterating, you know, what they learned from white mommy and daddy, which is disgusting because you niggas are scared. That's what it is. You're scared to attack a system of racism, white supremacy, because you have a comfortable cot in the prison. That's what it is. That's what it boils down to. You know what I'm saying? You're not out here in general population. You actually got a job in the prison. You know what I'm saying? Your, your commissary is full and you all right. You're like, shit, it ain't that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I got some privileges, you know, if you acted like me, nigga, you'd be all right. You would have some privileges too, but you don't. So that's what it is. That's that thought process. That's what it is. If you think of racism, white supremacy as like a global prison, then that's how you have to really look at it. These niggas' commissary is full and they don't want you fucking that up. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, uh, you know, tell them, boss, like that nigga in life. You know what I'm saying? Tell them about the line, boss. And it's just like, God damn. Like, it was just fascinating to me to see these niggas go out of their way, not to talk about the MAGA hats who actually attacked this man with the racism and homophobia, but to actually bring Kevin Hart into it. It's like, who the f like, fuck y'all. Like, you actually showing who you are. You looking funny in the goddamn light. But, um, you know, uh, man, it's just very puzzling to me. Very puzzling. But, um, y'all niggas is weird. Y'all niggas is weird. That's that's all I have to really say about that. Um, let's see what else. I was going to talk about that Virginia governor, uh, Ralph uh, Northam, and how he, you know, backtracked on saying blackface and shit like that and all this other stuff. But it's like a million posts out about it. You know what I mean? Nothing surprised me anymore with these politicians. Nothing. Like, my own governor here in Nebraska, his daddy is a bigot. And I'll talk about that and uh, hold this L. But I'm not going to talk about it. Like, it, this was back in the, what, back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, that they were doing blackface and shit like that. So, four, 30 to 40 years ago. You know what I'm saying? It's just like... Like you could you could kind of make a case for it if it was during the Jim Crow era, but this was like, you know, 30 years after it, 40 years after it. And you're like, oh, shit, y'all still out here being plum fools. You know what I'm saying? So nothing surprises me anymore. Nothing surprises me anymore. And um, it's fascinating to me that uh, that you have the uh, the uh, the right trying to jump on this as if like the, the the president of the united states isn't a isn't a white nationalist you know they're always you know it's always like oh blah 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 they trying to like jump on the, the the black coalition train and shit like that and talking about see you need to get off the democratic plantation and blah 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 and i've said this a million times on this uh 
on this podcast. They are two wings of the same bird, the right wing, the left wing, same goddamn bird. And that bird is racism, white supremacy. That's all it is about. One of them going to give it to you right in your face. And that's the right. And the left is going to do it, you know, in a way where they think you think that they're helping you. And then next thing you know, shit, oh, most of my people are in prison. You know what I'm saying? So. It's one of them things. Do you want it straight out in the front of you or do you want to be do you want to be stabbed in the back and betrayed? You know what I'm saying? So I'm not even going to talk too much about Ralph Northam. I'm even I'm just going to move on. But what the fuck is going on with uh, Ice and 21 Savage? Right. Like nobody saw that shit coming. Nobody here saw that shit coming. This motherfucker is from the UK <laughs> and uh, he get he he is in being detained by Ice because of something one of his visas expired or something years ago but his management team is saying that his visa application has been on hold for god knows how long right so this seems like a smoke screen right now and uh what was fascinating to me is how ice is trying to play on the whole authentic uh authenticity of uh, 21 savage being a trap rapper talking about he lied about you know his whole persona is fake and all this other shit. A ICE official released an official statement uh, saying that he he was uh, he's been faking it the whole time and all this other shit. Like black folks was just gonna be like, okay, get that British nigga the fuck out of here. And it's it's like no, no, ain't nobody about to team up with you on some American nationalist shit. You know against a black person, a fellow black person. Nobody, no black American in their right mind is going to do that because you already treat us like shit so why are we gonna help you treat another black person like a piece of shit like get the fuck out of here like they really tried that move and i think it's a smokescreen because uh you know when they were keeping those kids in those uh, detainment centers uh, you know away from their parents they don't know how to link those kids up with their with their parents they don't know how to do that they they've lost you know the information and lost some of those kids too and that's what they're saying right and so this i feel like this ain't nothing but a smoke screen to just kind of be like oh shit you know to keep us talking about this while they announced that they couldn't uh reunite all those kids with their uh families properly they don't know how to do that right so you know it is what it is but don't be don't fall for the okie doke when people come out doing that shit they was out you know talking about he was fake and all this other shit and it's like uh who was that rock him saying it's not where you're from it's where you at right and that's what it's all about you know and it's it's just odd that as soon as he as soon as because 444 that jay-z album really inspired 21 savage and he was like oh shit you know i need to start you know start talking about financial literacy and shit like that and start putting my people up on game now as soon as he started doing that and then he went on um was he on the tonight show he was rapping some conscious shit you know some aware shit then all of a sudden ice is just like oh we gotta get this nigga about the paint you know what I'm saying? It's just odd that that happens. You know what I'm saying? A nigga could go around all day rapping about blowing a nigga brains out and selling kilos to his own people. But then as soon as he starts trying to put people up on game and uh, holding like financial seminars about how to manage your money correctly and shit like that, then all of a sudden he's a problem. Let's get him the fuck up out the paint. So Ice is looking funny in the light. And I love to see that black folks aren't on Ice um, page when they try to you know slander this man and talk about you know he's been faking his persona this whole time and all this other shit because like you know rakim said it's not where you from it's where you at so leave it to my nigga hove hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks
All right, thank you so much, Tyrone Biggums, for that lovely intro selling hope like dope. And I appreciate you, brother, for not stealing any of my antibiotics or my meds and, you know, taking advantage of me being in this sick condition by stealing my wallet or some shit like that. So get the fuck out of here now. Thank you, brother. All right, so moving on to selling hope like dope. Uh, Tom Brokaw. So I said in, I don't know if it was episode 148 or 149, about how the media is changing mainstream media is changing uh to um basically uh to to uh fit um into the homes or into the lexicon of these uh these trump voters these trump supporters and uh these suspected bigots out here they're no longer being forward thinking all inclusive like we had them eight years under obama we've seen so many people of different colors uh working at cnn msnbc nbc um cbs news and things of that sort now it's going back to that old school you know americanism that uh, jingoism patriotism you know to the extreme and it has to be uh and another example of this is uh tom brokaw did y'all see him on meet the press last week um let's see here tom brokaw was on there talking about uh the clashes of uh, culture between americans and hispanics right and so um chuck todd was saying that the problem is in is in wyoming and in south dakota they think they need a wall and in texas and in arizona they don't and um you know brokaw said a lot of this we don't want to talk about Tom Brokaw said, fuck it, I'm old as dirt, I'm gonna start speaking the truth. He said, but the fact is, the fact is, on the Republican side, a lot of people see the rise of an extraordinary important new constituent in American politics, Hispanics, uh, who will come here and all be Democrats. Also, I hear when I push people a little harder, they say, well, I don't know whether I want brown grandbabies. I mean, that's also part of it, right? And, uh, it's the intermarriage that is going on and the cultures that are conflicting with each other. I also happen to believe that the Hispanics should work harder at assimilation. That's one of the things I've been saying for a long time. You know, they ought not to be just codified in their communities, but make sure that all their kids are learning to speak English and that they feel comfortable in the communities. And that's going to take outreach on both sides, frankly. Nigga, that is shocking. But I've said this all the time, and I've said this before. I don't know. Did I talk about this on uh, 148 or 149 about me being in uh, special programs, like for gifted kids or whatever? And I'm usually the only black kid in there with, like, maybe an Asian kid or a couple of Asian kids or some shit. But you know, little black boys are celebrated if they're assimilated. You know what I'm saying? And uh, black girls, too. So I should say black children. Any non-white child is celebrated if they're assimilated. I should say that. And um, that was just shocking to see Tom Brokaw just be so goddamn honest. Right? Because now we're living in that time. Like I said, we have a white nationalist sitting up there in the um, up there on Pennsylvania Ave. And uh, now, you know, these other white folks feel empowered. And then you got the media playing into that, just going along with like, oh, shit, we can just kind of relax and be ourselves. Now we can speak how we speak in closed doors, you know, behind closed doors out in the open. And that's exactly what Tom Brokaw was doing. Um, and I just thought it was amazing that he said, you know, they ought to not be just codified, you know, in their communities. 
You know what I'm saying? Because you go to any major city, you'll have a little Mexico. You will. Like, we have one here. Started back in, what, the late 80s, early 90s? In South Omaha. And, uh... Because at first it was the meatpacking district down there, and that's where a lot of brothers got their money, you know, to start buying homes on the north side and on the south side and things like that. And you just had a wave of uh, uh, Mexicans come up from Mexico, and uh, next thing you know, uh, they were undercutting, you know, they started working for cheaper than, you know, what they were paying, like, the black Americans and white Americans, too, because that was a job you could go to and make a decent amount of money enough to buy you a fucking house. You know what I'm saying? And uh, a lot of brothers made some money that way back in the uh, 60s, the 70s, the 80s. You know, and then you had these wave of Mexicans coming up here and just like, oh, shit, we'll work for cheaper. You know what I'm saying? And so you still have the stockyards, meatpacking place, but that shit is like 90% Mexicans over there right now. And uh, Little Mexico is pretty much like everything over there. You got to be bilingual, you know, um, the grocery stores, like I told the story, there was a, used to be a high V over there. If y'all don't know what a high V is, it's a grocery chain all through the Midwest, through uh, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, Kansas, and it might be in Missouri too. Um, and it's, so it's a chain just in the Midwest. And uh, so there was one in Little Mexico, and then uh, there was a no frill supermarket that opened up on the flip side there was a no frills over there and then um they got smart and switched it and changed it into a supermercado which is uh, basically supermarket in uh, spanish and so they started carrying specific foods for hispanic people and um that high v didn't take suit you know didn't follow suit and next thing you know that high v got shut down because hispanic folks just stopped going there and there's not a lot of black folks and white folks that live over in the southeast side of the city because there's so many small Mexican businesses over there, right? And uh, pretty much every sign over there is in English and Spanish. And they, they, those people are just on code over there, all of them, all of them. My pops, he works over there um, at a high school over there and um, on the south side. And so um, it's one of those things where, you know, that's, that's scary to white folks, seeing a group come over here and just jumping on code and forcing them to learn a new language and a new culture that's that's terrifying this is pretty this is kind of close to resemblance of uh you know when you had all those free african uh africans coming up out of slavery you know once the emancipation proclamation took uh took heed and after you know juneteenth you know after black folks finally learned that they were freed in, in the south um so you had all these highly skilled black folks coming out being free having all these goddamn skills and then all of a sudden it's like oh shit let's start some laborers let's start some uh, labor unions you know what i'm saying that you only can hire white folks right so that's how unions actually got started i don't care what nobody tries to tell you it was a discriminatory practice to keep highly skilled africans out of the job market that's all a union was in those days and that's how it started so it's very fascinating to see you know tom brokaw speak like this um because we're we're just witnessing this wave of hispanics coming into the u.s and that's why so many people so many white people voted for trump and, and it's just that fear of having you know them brown babies but what a lot of them don't know a lot of them mexicans fall right in line with racism white supremacy if you treat them the same now i did an episode of do rags and boat shoes what, was about 30 episodes ago 30 40 episodes ago where i broke down why um mexicans coming up from south of the border want to be considered white 
right? So there was a whole coalition of coons, of Mexican coons, who wanted to, uh, after the Great Depression, uh, when they were doing the uh, census and all this other shit, and even before that, when, uh, what was it, the Louisiana Purchase or whatever, uh, whenever uh, we obtained, uh, well, not we, but whenever uh, white folks obtained, you know, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, that southern that southern edge when they uh got that then it was just like they saw how they was treating black folks and it was like hey you need to treat these people like white people and then it was just like okay well we can create a whole then in the then they was like well we can create a whole race you know and just call them mexicans or whatever spanish it was going to be something like that along that uh along those lines they're like nope nope don't create a whole race because that'll make them be uh discriminated against you will discriminate against them then they tried to revisit it after the great depression and when was that in the 30s and then that that group of coons was like nope nope they'll be classified as white and so that's why if you see any brown person and you look at their driver's license it says white there's a w for their race for white right or um or is it caucasian i think it's white i think it's just a w for white and so uh just to see um that's just a little bit of history for y'all so but but I'm just saying they will fall right in line if you treat them like you treat white Americans. They'll fall right in line. And I get the feeling that as we get darker and darker as a nation, as the Western civilization becomes darker and darker, uh, like I said, white folks ain't having enough kids. Um, you know, the opioid epidemic is just wiping them out by the droves, which is sad. It's sad as fuck to see that. That these people are getting on these prescription pills, they're getting on heroin, fentanyl, and just dying the fuck out, just in waves, which is tough. And um and so now we um so now I get the feeling that one or two things is gonna happen with white folks, right? Because you you're not gonna stop this wave. I don't care how big the wall is gonna be, whatever there's either going to be a mass immigration of uh, white folks coming in from a war-torn poor european country to drive up the numbers of white folks because white people are very smart specifically white supremacists very intelligent um so they would do something like that they might would even create a fake war to uh drive people to come to america uh, europeans or they would create some sort of uh, apartheid state where there's a small ruling uh the small ruling minority is ruling the majority somehow some way they would do that like so it would look like here in the u.s uh more white politicians and uh something would happen with gerrymandering to the point where uh your votes really wouldn't matter in districts well it would be flip to the point where it would always favor a white candidate no matter if it's democratic or republican it would always happen like that or what they could do is finally just give in and then start accepting uh white hispanics as white people that's what it would do because remember when the numbers were dwindling back in the day they started accepting irish people as white they started accepting them dark ass italians especially from the uh, southern region as white right they introduced them to whiteness brought them in okay well you're white now you know what i'm saying it's close enough so i think we're going to see something like that happen but i just wanted to point out and tell and hope like dope and continue this trend of pointing out how the mainstream media is just like you know fuck progression fuck all this other stuff we're gonna go back to this old school way of you know uh projecting the news um speaking the truth of how speaking our truth and not going off um you know and trying to do all this this fluffy ass you know rainbow flag black fist black brown coalition bullshit 
You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know, white folks are really speaking their minds on a mainstream level. And we saw with the election of Trump, you've seen a lot of black people get let go and darker skinned folks get let go from these news organizations, right? So they're trying to, you know, combat that fake news thing that Trump be talking about and start putting more white faces on there and putting stories on there that's more empathetic towards, uh, you know, uh, Trump voters and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, people of color really didn't turn out to vote like that, uh, specifically black black folks just because nobody fucked with Trump nobody fucked with uh Hillary Rodden Clinton Clinton ran on a campaign of I'm just not this nigga you know what I'm saying it's just not I'm not Trump you see what I'm saying so it's a situation where you're just like uh you know I you know do I want diarrhea do I want to be constipated you know what I'm saying so like fuck it I'll just stay home so but I mean that's been selling hope like dope I want y'all to just kind of pay attention to these mainstream media faux pas so to speak but they're doing all this shit on purpose all of them this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so moving on to holding this l we have two individuals holding this l we have to give it to liam neeson and um the ricketts uh <laughs> the whole ass family nah i don't know we'll give it to the whole ass family but um we have to give it to joe ricketts all right so joe ricketts owns the cubs he started td ameritrade uh he is a very wealthy man a billionaire his son pete ricketts is uh, the governor of my state nebraska uh just a rich kid wanting to play governor that's pretty much how every nebraskan really views him so uh he has some emails me um some uh, very bigoted emails uh leaked and um yeah and everybody's just kind of like oh my god joe ricketts is a bigot and it's just like mm, i mean okay this is an old billionaire what is he in his uh, 70, 77 uh self-proclaimed self-made millionaire billionaire and uh there's just a lot of uh bigoted emails that he had um a lot of it was uh was a lot of it was um you know uh him slamming muslims he had one with a nigger joke in there you know they always got to get one of those in there and i just wondered how uh how uh splinter news got these uh emails and uh a lot of it was uh sent to his kids too and um yeah i'm just like oh okay um it's it's fascinating to me to uh see how the uh governor is trying to distance himself from uh his daddy talking about he doesn't believe in you know the same views as his father uh his father expresses deep regret deeply regrets it and all this other shit only thing joe ricketts regrets is being caught and that's it that's it this man has the same views he this goddamn old and these emails are from like 2009 to like 2013 or some shit like that and uh so let's go back to 2013 what is that six years ago so the man was what uh fucking uh 71 then you know what i'm saying six years ago uh a motherfucker that old ain't gonna change <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to tell you somebody that damn old ain't gonna change their ways all right they just gonna hide it a little bit better okay but yeah, there's all kind of stuff about uh, Muslims being a natural enemy uh, of us, meaning white folks, Western civilization. Um, 
radical Islam, you know, him firing off these emails and shit like that. And um, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. Uh, I was waiting on the governor to say something else to distance himself right away, but it took a minute. And uh, it was a bullshit response. It was. Um, and what's weird, it's even more weird, they built this... Uh, last what was it last year last summer they built this uh weird ass like uh catholic retreat um out in gretna uh which is a white flight area uh, just south of gretna they built this big ass retreat and it's like a religious retreat and i think he just uh joe rick has just built that as a tax haven but uh you know religion and uh white supremacy go hand in hand you know a white jesus is nothing you know more than you know a clansman that's all it is it's, it's one of those things where i just thought that was weird but i think it's like a tax haven for him to uh save some goddamn money and um and not pay taxes it's like this multi-million dollar facility um looks like a big ass mansion and it's the weirdest shit and it's like uh maids there there's uh private chefs there there's uh you know all kind of um pastry chefs there it's just weird it's a big ass retreat sitting on a lot of acres this just the oddest shit but i'm gonna post the link to the emails the racist emails the bigoted emails and um you know i just want to see how this so-called governor moves uh pete ricketts because everybody felt like this was just a rich kid playing um you know just playing dress up you know what i'm saying just you know running run, running for governor just because he had the money the long money and you know was bored and didn't want to be in his daddy's shadow you know what i'm saying so they own the chicago cubs also they bought them back in 2009 and ricketts family did and then so uh and now you had uh you got people in chicago up in arms there's some muslim organizations that are speaking out against the rickets there um but i just want to see how people are going to defend pete ricketts uh daddy you know the ricketts supporters how they how they plan on forgiving him because you can't be like oh that's what this was ages ago this was a different time it's like nope it, it wasn't it was just you know it was a decade or less ago so no you can't really do that and then um you know i want to see because i people think that he wants to go up on capitol hill run for senate um governor ricketts does we they they want to see that but i know that he had a huge issue uh pete ricketts did with a couple of uh husker football players kneeling for the national anthem he he was up in arms about that and that just made me look at him like oh you looking funny in the light okay very funny in the light and i know that he was really pushing hard for the death penalty too uh to bring that back there was an organization that he helped uh donate money to to push that on the ballot to bring back the uh death penalty because the voters actually voted it out and then all of a sudden they brought it back on the ballot right so pete rick has been looking funny in the light and if you don't think that any of his father's views trickled down to him uh you must be smoking that good dope you must be shooting fentanyl or some shit like that but i i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't put it past nebraska voters to still be uh riding with ricketts because it's, it's a very 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 red state once you get outside of omaha and lincoln so i don't put it past some of these folks because they vote against their own interests all the time i mean there were stories about how they voted for trump in some of these small nebraskan towns they voted for trump and then uh because they wanted to get rid of the the um 
Obamacare, but they were on the Affordable uh, Care Act, and they didn't know that the ACA and Obamacare was the same thing, just different names. You know, one was just slang for the other. So I don't put it past them. But let's talk about Liam Neeson. Um, wow. What can we say? Uh, if you've been sleeping up under a rock, Liam Neeson did a uh, press junket or whatever for his new movie coming out. And uh, he told the reporter, went out and told a reporter um, that back in the day, one of his female friends got raped by a black man. And he went out with a kosh, which is a blunt object, like a bat or a piece of wood or something like that. And he was uh, uh, patrolling the streets looking to beat the shit out of or kill a black man. And the same crowd that was doing these mental gymnastics for goddamn uh, Jussie Smollett getting attacked and, you know, trying to blame Kevin Hart for the attack didn't have that same kind of energy you know uh when it came to uh your man's uh liam neeson they basically they couldn't find a way to blame a black celebrity or a black man so basically they just were all forgiving oh it was so great that he acknowledged his racism then that was so long ago and all this other shit and i'm just like um this mentality is still going on to this day now do y'all remember that guy who took that bus from Baltimore to New York and with a sword or something or a big ass knife and he killed the older black homeless man and he really wanted to uh, kill a young black man who was dating white women. Y'all remember that? Uh, but he didn't have that kind of energy. He said he couldn't find one. And I'm like, you a goddamn lie. You chose an easy target, an elderly black man who was homeless. You know what I'm saying? So I think he got to New York and he got spooked. That's what happened. So this mentality runs rampant, this white vigilante mentality runs rampant. It was just interesting to me to see all of this forgiveness and all this other shit. My man Ricky Ross, he uh, posted a couple of videos on his uh, on his Twitter, um, T did, and it was it was this it was these two guys, these two gay guys. One's black, and I think the other one's either Hispanic or Italian or something, and uh, the 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 black gay dude had all this vitriol and this crazy energy for um goddamn kevin hart when jesse smollett got attacked and then he was just speaking so kindly and the energy was a whole shift when he was talking about liam neeson it was so playful and you know bashful you know what i'm saying so that's this is how the a lot of these scared negroes think you know they don't want to fuck up their bag you know which is a sad sight it's very sad and it's very disgusting to see something like that and uh, what's even more fascinating is seeing how the mainstream media, you know, kind of, you know, let this man go out and tell his story and all this other shit. And he's like, I'm not a racist and all this other stuff, even though he had a racist ass action. Uh, you know, so this woman was raped and who knows it was back in the days. So maybe it was what, about 40 years ago or some shit like that. And, you know, interracial dating was so taboo. So she could have just fucked the black dude and said that he raped her. You know what I'm saying? It could have been one of those situations, right? She had the heat of the moment. That pussy got to talking and she wanted to ride on some black dick. And then she came too after she came. You know what I'm saying? Had that moment of clarity like, oh shit, I can't. I just got caught. You know, somebody could have saw her, you know, getting uh, cut, leaving someplace with a black dude. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, I was raped. You know what I'm saying? There's million, tons of stories that happen like that. Um, but who knows? Who knows? She might have got raped by somebody. 
And then for Liam Neeson, first thought is to go to, well, what did he look like? What race was he? What color was he? You know what I'm saying? And then to have the audacity to go out there and just try to, you know, kill or beat the shit out of a black man outside of a bar. It just says a lot about him, right? And um, he so he goes on this apology tour and just out here just skinning and grinning, showing all 32 teeth. You know, like shit is all good. Like this is normal, accepted behavior, and it's not. But I think it, the behavior is normalized. You know, it's normalized because you demonize black men in the media. You know, you make black women sexual objects, promiscuous and shit like that. Right. So a lot of times when sisters get raped or sexually assaulted, nobody's like really believing them. You remember what happened with the R. Kelly situation. I've seen so many black men and women on goddamn Instagram talking about y'all know how fast these girls be acting like, yo, for real, we victim blaming now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I seen what was the there's one there's a stripper named Malia Michelle. She was on there talking about she'd been fucking since 12 and she knew how fast she was and all this other shit. And I'm just like, yo, you ain't been fucking since you was 12. You've been being molested since you was 12. You know what I'm saying? And so so you see that. And so that seeps into the black mind, you know, how the media portrays us. So then it's just you start justifying harming your own people. You see what I'm saying? That's what we're seeing with these mental gymnastics that a lot of these writers and uh, these others are doing. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, the brother Tariq Nasheed, he uh, posted a, cl- a clip, not a clip or a, a tweet from uh, some Hispanic cat was talking about yo it's fucked up but we forgive him i'm like who is we like who the fuck forgives him like you speaking for all black people and you ain't even black you brown like what the fuck are you talking about right so it's just the weirdest shit to see all these people come up with all these goddamn excuses but a gay black man gets attacked and dealing with you know racial slurs and homophobic slurs and it somehow is kevin hart's fault you see what I'm saying? It's just, it's so easy to beat down on black people in this society that we live in because of the social hierarchy. Like I said, it goes white, yellow, red, brown, black, right? That's just how it goes, which is, is a very disgusting thing. But Liam Neeson and uh, Joe Ricketts, y'all both got to hold this L. You win. Perfect. Alright, so moving on to not all heroes wear capes. I have to give it to law enforcement officials and officials uh, here in the state. You know, a lot of times uh, I talk down on, um, you know, race soldiers disguised as cops and things of that sort and then how unjust the justice system is. But when they're doing their job, I have no problem, you know, showing them some love and some respect. So I have to give it to law enforcement here uh, and officials here for arresting the principal, Eric Nelson, at Fontenelle Elementary. Now, that was the school where they had that pedophile teacher running rampant, right? And uh, I had some questions when I was breaking the story uh, on the podcast about, you know, how come teachers didn't do nothing? They reported it to a hotline. Well, it turns out they first went to the principal first, those teachers who saw um, the pedophile out here doing disgusting things to them little babies. So they did go to the principal first and he sat on his goddamn hands and didn't do shit. So now um, the Douglas County attorney, Don Klein, said that the charges of... uh, 
It's a felony child abuse and neglect stem from the principal not following the uh, correct procedures to protect those kids from uh, that pedophile Greg uh, Sedlicek. You know, teachers came to uh, Principal Nelson and told him about Sedlicek's troubling behavior and abuse towards those girls, and he did nothing, just sat on his damn hands. So I hope that this serves as a lesson because it's always the right time to do the right thing, no matter what. Alright, so not all heroes wear capes. Uh, this man sat on his goddamn hands, didn't do shit, you know, uh, probably didn't give a fuck about them kids just from his actions. And look at him now, he's facing felony child abuse and neglect charges. So, and I seen his mug shot and he looks sad than a motherfucker. But that's what happens when you don't do the right thing at the right time. So, shout out to law enforcement and shout out to the uh, Douglas County Attorney Don Klein. Alright, so moving on to the last portion of the show, health over wealth. You know what I say, without your health, you cannot enjoy your wealth. So, in lieu of Black History Month, we're going to continue with Black-themed quotes or quotes from Black folks, a very inspiring quote. So, this one comes from Alice Walker, and she says, No person is your friend who demands your silence or denies your right to grow. So, I say that to say this. Well, I use that quote to say this. Uh, look at your circle. Look who's around you. Look who you have, have as a partner, um, those close to you and you know look and see what they are you know adding to your life are they just hanging on or are they actually adding value to your life i know we're still in the new year it's only february um so just look at your circle gauge your circle and see if you need to drop some dead weight because in 2019 and moving forward it's all about growth and expansion and if somebody ain't helping you grow expand and get to new horizons you need to drop them all right you can't be doing the same dusty shit as you was doing in 2018 you know lowballing yourself and you know uh having people hold you back so you can't grow you know if you if you, if you say something about a new idea with your group of friends and they try to shoot that shit down and you need to you know take a step back from those so-called friends and also if you're working on a goal or a plan try to keep that shit close to your chest when you have an idea that strikes and hits you right away don't tell anybody you always play it close to your chest and then once you start making progress in that goal and things like that then you can start sharing it with people um you know even if it's your spouse and things like that because sometimes you know their limitations um you know they shouldn't put those limitations on you and then you then you start doubting yourself and things like that because there's nothing wrong with dreaming crazy and implementing you know it's only crazy until you do it you know what i'm saying a dream is only crazy until you do it so what i like to do a lot of times is i just play stuff close to my chest and then once it starts getting there and starts happening then you know then people can just see the progress and then i'll let them know what i've been working on but once i make a lot of headway that's when i reveal it when i when the idea first hits me i'm just like oh shit okay i can do this you know so you're hyping yourself up you're talking about it and then you start taking those steps to do it but a lot of times we like to share that right away with our close friends our spouses our parents and things like that and then they'll shoot that shit right down man that's stupid just because they can't see the vision yet you know they only can see the vision once you start putting in those steps and it's like oh i see what you're trying to do now you know what i'm saying so you kind of play that close to your chest because a lot of times even those closest to you and love you a lot you know 
their limitations you know shouldn't be your expectations if, if that makes sense you know what i'm saying they're putting their limitations on you and you're just like oh shit i'm trying to do something that's never been done before and some people can't see that right so you need to gauge your circle see where everybody's at and if somebody's deliberately holding you back you need to just cut them off all right so that's been episode of do rags and boat shoes nothing but love and respect to y'all one